Hello, welcome to the Withy Window Podcast, brought to you by Covenant Coffee. The Withy Window Podcast exists to help men and women have dominion and mastery over their corner of the earth as they build godly households that are sturdy, productive, and joyful. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord over all, and we desire to see His Word come out our fingertips. And particularly, we desire to build upon the commands of Christ by speaking specifically about the wisdom of applying those commands. My name is Matt. I'm joined here by my wife, Sarah. Hi, guys. Well, today uh, we want to talk uh, uh, real practically. We want to spend some time talking about uh, the topic of parenting in the pews. Um, part of our heartbeat of, of this podcast is that we would get the chance to really kind of talk about some of the nitty-gritty of uh, parenting and household work, and, and really the past three episodes we've spent most of our time talking about um, the kind of philosophy of, of some of these things. So today we want to talk about parenting in the pews. Our church has recently gone to incorporating our children in all services, and that's a little more rare these days. A lot of churches on, on the whole have gone to uh, children in their Sunday school classes during the service, so training in the pew isn't as necessary. Yeah, yeah. You, we, we, for the longest time, had, quote, uh, children's church um, up to, what, fifth grade, sixth grade, and we, the, the elders just decided um, not too long ago, uh, well, really about a, uh, six months ago, that we wanted the kids to be in service next to mom and dad, and we would move up our children's time to during our, our seminars that we have on Sunday mornings. Um, so it's been a blessing. I mean, it's been such a joy. Uh, for the longest time, we would have kids in there, the the whole family together on like the fifth Sunday, uh, you know, when there was a month with the five Sundays. But uh, those were fun uh, and enjoyable, and uh, just some conviction changes in our elders. We decided to have everybody in there each week. Sure, and I think we can be honest too that when we're not used to that, we uh, parents typically enjoy the break. Yeah, I yeah. mean, just to be honest and. You know, we can concentrate on the sermon. We're not asked any questions. We can just focus, which seems like a great thing. And, but there's just something that is a, just a higher calling, a higher um, option. And An that's, expectation. Yeah. And training our children along our side. And even though it can seem at first inconvenient, hard, um, this is something that um, we need to do. Yeah, it, it's one of the things the the elders realized early on as we were going to make this change. We realized that it was going to expose um, some some probably some bad parenting. <laughs> and I will say this honestly, it's been encouraging because it's it's not been um, it's not been uh, like terrible or rough. I've not noticed anything exceptional or out of that's just crazy. Uh, I mean, you got kids and and they're going to be. Uh, you know, they're going to get anxious. They're going to be uh, ready to get out of their seats, and especially in an hour and 45-minute service. They're going to ask, know. how much longer, Mom? <laughs> especially my I kids. I don't know. Your dad's preaching, so... Yeah. Yeah. The other guys are... That's true. They are equally as long. As long, if not longer, these days. And wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> as we as we come into this, we're, we really... Um, I wanted. We're gonna try to talk about some of the the theology and the principles, but we really just want to get practical. And the the danger of that is in the when you get into practicals of things, people start calling you legalists, um, like, "Oh, he's making up these rules." And and by and and so some of these are like, yeah, they they might be rules, but they're just like an application, and maybe there's some freedom to do it a little bit of a different way, but. If we don't actually talk about what it looks like, then how do you how do you know what the principle looks like in practice? Right. Uh, we can't be afraid to give practicals and ideas at the risk of being called legalistic. You know, just know our heartbeat 
and know that we want to work off principles and give practical ideas um, to make this work. That's right. Yep. So our, our, you know, there was a book, I think it was um, Nancy Wilson's book on motherhood um, that uh, was really influential in the writing of the script. But uh, so I would encourage you, uh, Praise Her in the Gates is, is an excellent book, and she talks about some of these things mm-hmm. in there, uh, some of these ideas, some of the practical ideas and, and such. But uh, so when it comes to kids um, and parenting them in the pew, there's kind of a primary goal and a secondary goal. And the first goal is uh, we want to teach them how to worship the Lord. The secondary goal is to teach them how to love their neighbor. And both of those go together, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then love your neighbor as yourself. But there is a primary in there, and that being teaching them to love the Lord, how, how to worship the Lord. And so 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9 is kind of a, uh, a foundational text here that, that we're going to try to apply uh, to parenting in the pew. He says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing." So there's a handful of things in here that that you need to notice. First of all, I notice like we're a, a covenant community. Notice that there's a like a an affection, like a, a sensitivity or a tenderness, uh, a tender heartedness towards one another. Um, mm-hmm. That notice the idea of compassionate toward one another, uh, or the idea of loving one another like brothers. Uh, you can also notice uh, like a unity of mind, uh, that there's uh, a togetherness in the way they think. <clears throat> there's a togetherness in what they're after. What they feel, even. Mm-hmm. A tender heart. Yep. And there's a, there's a tenderness to protect each other's names and reputations. Uh, and, and also like a sense of being sympathetic to other people's needs. So as we talk about like the hard work of disciplining and parenting in the pew, and we even set probably a higher standard than what the average uh, uh, family is going to be comfortable with. Uh, We we would encourage you that uh, you can expect more of your kids, you can expect more of yourself, but you got to keep these things in mind. Like, that's what we're after. We're after a family that exhibits these things together for the glory of God and for the love of their neighbor, but also we want to have a church community that is looking at a family that has kids in the pew and is being compassionate towards them and loving them like brothers and are tender-hearted towards them. So it, it goes both directions. However, we're going to spend our time talking about you, your kids, and being these things outwardly towards other people. And so with all of that said, well, we remember, and it was Nancy in her book that uh, pointed this out, that all good manners flow from this, so that unity of mind, compassionate towards one another, loving one another like brothers, all good manners flow from those things. Mm-hmm. And she says this, uh, this was uh, quite helpful, all good manners are simply demonstrating love in trifles. I see as like maybe a parent having to guide their kid out of the service to to discipline, to to instruct of some sort, you know, um, having a courtesy even in your mind and your heart as they exit the auditorium that they um, that you just say a little prayer for them, like, thank you, God, for them. And, you know, be with the parent as they instruct their child. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, one something we got to that that we want and is important whatever church you're in but for those who are part of Christ the Lord we we want to encourage people to all be on the same trajectory like not everything's going to look the same the parenting and the decisions are not going to look all the same some person might spank a little quicker than the next person some person might give more cheerios and the other person might make their child do without but as long as we're on the same trajectory having the same expectations, 
Um, that especially being mindful of expectations set even by your leaders in your church, and hopefully they have expectations and communicated these things Mm -hmm. so that parents have an idea of what we're aiming for together. Sure. And again, that doesn't mean that the next church down the road is doing it in a sinful way. Uh, I mean, it could be a foolish way, and it could just be a different way, and and that's okay. But as long as we're in the same trajectory, then, then we can... That that's where grace gets easier. If I know that the Smiths on the other side of the auditorium are headed towards the same trajectory, meaning these expectations for their kids, then when things aren't going quite the way they should be going in that moment, then I can be patient. Like it just makes it easier to look on them and go, "Okay, they got it. Yeah, they're they're working on this. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah." But when I have no clue where that family's headed, or when the fruit of everything else they're doing looks terrible, then then it's really hard. It just I mean, you should still be gracious, but it's just hard. I can see that happening even like with say a like a visiting family or a new family to the congregation. You know, maybe they've not been um with you very long, so they don't quite know how to parent exactly yet. Um, yeah. There's some graciousness extended to that and some prayer and then some practical coming alongside and um, walking with them with that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so when we think about uh, parenting in the pew and maybe more broadly think about the church, there's, there's really two contexts. You have the parenting in the pew, like, the worship service, and then the time around the worship service. And uh, there there are things that we need to be mindful of, and maybe we can talk about it another time. Uh, and we might maybe throw in a few pieces here about the time around, maybe before the service, after the service. But our, our primary desire here is like the time of the service and the time kind of leading into the service. Another passage for us to look at, 1 Corinthians fourteen forty says, let all things be done decently and in order. So putting that in this context, this means that our kids too must be taught how to be in service in a decent and orderly fashion. So just to do that easily, like decent, what does that mean? It means conforming to the recognized standard of propriety, this recognized standard of good taste, modesty, etc., as in your behavior or speech. And also it can mean respectable and what's appropriate. So decent um, is that. And our standard, like because it says, what is the recognized standard? Our standard in this context is the scriptures. We want to aim for the glory of God. We want to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we want to love others around us. Yeah, so I mean, at its core, those are our standards. But then it goes beyond that. So each culture is going to have a set of standards too. So if it's not culturally appropriate for a child in that church to stand on a pew, then then you should follow that standard as well. You should be mindful of what the culture is. Now, does that mean if your child stands on that pew that they're sinning? Well, no, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily sinning, but they're not being mindful of the culture, and they're not doing it in the orderly fashion that that congregation is doing it in. So that that's an important thing. So if, if kids are not allowed to run up and down the pew, then they shouldn't be a, a, in that culture, then that you shouldn't let yours do that either. Now, I, I think I can make an argument for not letting your child run up and down the pew, Um especially during service. <laughs> but Well, for raising them up, a lot of times we ask our children, hey, do you see mom and dad running up and down the pews? You don't, so you don't do that either. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. So what I want to say is like, we, we got to be careful. We don't just stay in the, well, the standard of scriptures is the glory of God and loving God. What does that look what like? What does it mean? Right. W- what is it, what is decently and in, in order look like. Uh, and so things of good taste, uh, modesty, uh, so the way you're dressed, or or even um, how much you clap or don't clap, or how loud you sing or don't sing. Uh, you know, you could, be, you could be out of order by being a Christian in a service and not singing. 
but I'm Great. just expressing myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> again, what does the passage say? What, what loving your neighbor and right? not being a distraction. <laughs> you know, you could be you know too focused on you know expressing yourself in worship to God, and just not be mindful of others around you. So then you are not loving your neighbor. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I think if you actually read the New Testament, it's less concerned with expressing yourself and more concerned with singing and listening and hearing for the sake of edifying your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Like that's... But we come to church with such a inward focus that yeah. we have to be reminded of that all the time. Yeah. The other thing that you said is that we have to taught that if, if things are to be done in decent... Uh, de- done decently and in order, he doesn't exclude the children. <laughs> right. I mean, just go back and read the context. He he doesn't. He's not saying eh, except for the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we understand that there's going to be age appropriate abilities and those things that are just natural and observable and obvious. But but parents are to be laboring towards that trajectory again. Back to the trajectory. And one of those ways we labor is disciplining our kids. Um, not just, you know, disciplining after as a consequence, but disciplining also just in habit forming, instruct in instruction. Yeah. Yeah. Discipline um, is uh, the difference between discipline and punishment is discipline is out of love for the purpose of correction. Like it's done to, uh, to change behavior. And then it's done in the process of changing behavior to uh, to gain a hearing. So discipline it first goes at the behavior and then it does, but it, but discipline it doesn't, doesn't stop, stop there. It doesn't stop there. So the discipline has got to be uh, uh, to the level that meets the need or the threshold in that child. So meaning it's got to be painful enough to get ga- to gather their attention. Then you can instruct towards the heart. Right. So you have a humble heart and a humble hearing. Yeah. Usually as well. Yeah, that, that that's what we're that's what we're after. So uh again we give a consequence in order to gain a hearing. Um as where I the punitive justice is about just an eye for an eye. And there's a place for that too. That's uh, really just the role of our government. Uh they just don't want to do that. <laughs> they, mm. they they they're trying to get into the business of correction um, and discipline, but they don't know what they're even correcting toward. They don't know what they're discipline or disciplining toward. They just need to stay in the business of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and let the discipline up to the household and up to the church. That's who should be doing restorative, corrective work. Um, and so as parents, we discipline in order to instruct. So similar here, we teach them orderliness so that we can gain a hearing. So that that's that is a crucial thing, a parallel here. That as parents, you are disciplining them to to cut through the disorderliness of their behavior mm-hmm. so that you, practically so that you have moments where you can speak and you have their ear. Yes. Right? The parallel to that is that you're instructing them and disciplining them and training them to sit in service so that they practically can hear, so they can hear what God is saying through the songs, through the prayers, through the leaders, and ultimately through God's Word. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, that's what you're at. So it's not just trying to get them, you're not just trying to buy your time so that you can take them to lunch. You're not just trying to keep them quiet so that they don't disturb other people. You're not just trying to keep them quiet so you can take notes yourself uh, and pay attention yourself. You're, you're trying to instruct them so that they can hear the most, one of, or arguably the most powerful moments that every Christian experiences, and that is sitting with the gathered body of believers hearing the Word of God preached over, over them. Well, that is really clear and very helpful, and we know that those instances are going to happen in the church service. You have to walk your child out and, and do such things sometimes, um, but what that it really starts with the home. 
where you got to do this training and give and do that the discipline to gain a hearing and gain their attention habitually at home. Yeah, yeah. If, if they're not uh, being disciplined towards a hearing at home, uh, so meaning if they're not being instructed and disciplined at home, and they're allowed to run in disorderly fashion all the time in very inappropriate times. Uh, there's time for that, right? You know, we cut our kids out to go play soccer in the Outside, field. Outside, that's or, a great place or, to yeah. run crazy. And, of course, arguably even there, there's an orderliness to it there. Mm-hmm. You can't just go do with soccer. You just do whatever you want to do. There's an orderliness to that. But if you don't, if you're not winning that battle at home, you're not going to win it in the hour and a half in service. Right. So, so, so we start with the home, inside the home. And as parents, we love the Lord and we want to love Him in our parenting and bring that into the Sunday morning context. Yeah, that's right. And I think one of the most practical places that you can prepare them for the Sunday service is the dinner table. You know, I never thought about that until recent months. Yeah. To sit around the dinner table, have that discussion face-to-face and teaching them how to sit orderly and decently, how to actually pay attention to someone who is talking and not talk out of interruption or talk off topic. Yeah. That was that's a big thing in our family. You know, someone's talking and someone will just blurt something out or just try to just change subjects and we call it hijacking the conversation. Yeah. But it's a lack of attentiveness. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're after. And that's a lack what of we're hospitality. In a lack of yeah, lack of hospitality. We're we're mindful of that at the dinner table. It's just a great place full of opportunities to train that every meal. Yeah. Yeah, the the parallel I think that we miss here is that uh, when we go to Sunday service, we go there to feed as Christians. We feed symbolically upon the body of Christ through the Lord's Supper and and drink of, of His shed blood for us. But then we also feed from the Word. Jesus says, I am the bread and life. And He tells the woman at the well, come to me and I'll give you drink that, that you won't thirst anymore. And so when we as Christians come to service on Sunday, we come to a family meal. The whole thing is meant to be a family dinner time. So if 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 you don't teach your kids at home how to respond and how to talk to each other, how to listen, how to be mindful of, well, is that conversation done or did that person just take a break, right? Uh, did they actually finish their thought or did they just, <laughs> you know, t- take a breath? Uh <laughs> You know, some of us have to breathe when we talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, oh, they paused. I'm going to just just start talking. Whoop, there it goes. <laughs> and then the conversation's gone. Yes. Well, and particularly if you've got a bunch of little kids around, it might take you three minutes to get the conversation back around. They're like, oh, mom and dad paused. Hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I want to teach them orderliness mm-hmm. so that they can hear, that they can, they can listen, um, and, and that they can, so they can feed and not starve. Um, so I think there's a, a ton of parallels uh, between the dinner table and the Sunday servant, the Sunday service, um, and also like the idea of um, the communion table, uh, where the communion table is meant to remind us of our utter need of God's saving grace through Jesus Christ, that His shed blood and His broken body for us. Uh, well, that the same thing. God, God has written into our very DNA the need for food. We're reminded every day that we cannot live without food. So every time you sit down at the dinner table, if you understand its parallels with like the dinner table for the saints, then you understand that I'm reminded three times a day that I cannot live without God's provision of food. Same as I cannot go a day without God's provision of the gospel of His saving grace through Jesus that I'm reminded of. And that, that's why our church does communion every Sunday, so that we're reminded of that. So we, we've got to catch these parallels, and we need to use this dinner table to to teach them. The goal, again, is not just that they would sit still, but that they would worship God. Yeah, they worship God um, by singing, by hearing, and by the preaching, by the prayers in the service. 
all those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got to realize too, as we kind of press into this further into some more practicals here, that everyone's at different places in this journey. I mean, some have, particularly Christ the Lord, we have four pregnant ladies at, at the time of this recording, and we uh, have some families with one kid and families with five kids and six kids. And uh, But again, as long as we're on the same trajectory, then we, we really can be patient. Absolutely. And, you know, so one of the goals is to love others around us. And we want to help others focus on God's glory in the music time and in the sermon time. So some practical things of keeping your family from being a distraction to the people behind you and beside you. For instance, I am really attentive to when my children turn their head and look behind to see who's all there. (laughs) You know, as cute as that is, I am training my children to look forward for their attentiveness. And also, as soon as their cute little faces turn behind them, the people behind them look at those cute faces, and then there's a moment where there is a, a just a break in their concentration, our neighbor's concentration on the gospel. So just not being mindful of how how are you being a distraction and, and stopping those. And then other examples of not being a distraction is, you know, bringing snacks, but make sure they're quiet. Open those noisy packages um, before, yeah. you know, and and just bringing quiet things to do, um, using the restroom before service so that you don't have to get up. You know, obviously there's emergencies, but I tell my children, all of them, you have to use the restroom and um, you don't get up in inside the service. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm a little patient, like if I knew that they try, they went before and they, they do have to go, but dad says, tough. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to sit and you're going to wait. And you know what? I've done that before too. Depends on which child is asking. I know their capacity. Yeah. You know, in, in, uh, uh, in, in our auditorium, the seats are kind of cupped a little bit. And so the, <laughs> the joke is you just, just let them pee their pants. Uh, but then someone quickly reminded me that the shape of the seats and their wooden seats or wooden pews that they might share some of their their goodness with the, oh, with the people next. <laughs> yes, but you know what? They'll never not remember to go to the restroom before service again. Well, maybe even more importantly, maybe mom or dad would not forget to, to remind tell them, them, right? <laughs> so maybe maybe that maybe maybe that would be worth it. Well, you know that's you know we can expect a lot from our kids. I think we just. We just think that they're littler than they are, a littler capacity than what they have. But we can expect a lot more from our children, not in just church, but everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in general, most parents expect way too little of their kids. Not, not again, not just in church, um, but in general at the dinner table, uh, when they're out to eat. Uh, so like, for example, if you're allowing your kids in the pew to sit and play on the floor the whole time... You need to expect a lot more from your kids. Now, you may not be able to jump from letting them do whatever they want to them making them, you know, write a five-page essay after the first Sunday. You might, but you might have to. You might have to start with um, maybe you expect them to pay attention for five minutes, and then you give them a coloring book or whatever, and you do that for a couple weeks, and then you ten minutes. And then you up it to fifteen, and so on and so forth. Uh, the the again the trajectory here is to uh, position and discipline our kids so that they we've gained a hearing with them, and, and not just a hearing for us to speak to them in that moment, but for them to be spoken to from the same word that we're going to be spoken. The word from. of God is powerful. It is speaking to those ears in that room. And your kids are no different. They are spiritual beings made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And they can and will hear. God is powerful enough to have your three-year-old even hear some words yeah. from the sermon and to spark something in that heart. Yeah. And so this training is just opening up that habit of attentiveness yeah. for and, that. And I say this in the midst of understanding the context that it's it's sometimes hard to pay attention while you're also instructing your kids. So I say this with that in mind, that also 
if moms and dads were also more mindful of the sermon themselves, then they can bring up those things at the dinner table, at the lunch table, and and help uh, bring those out of their kids. And you're going to get 10 times more uh, bang for your buck out of that if mom and dad are being mindful of that too. So, you know, each each age group is going to have different expectations and, and also depending on how well you've parented them uh, is going to be kind of determine where you can start with and at what pace you can take them. But obviously infants, they're infants. I don't know. You got any words for on infants? I mean, you know, we're about to have the sixth infant here um, yes. for ourselves. So Infants, that, you know, comes with a range of developmental abilities, especially within the first year. You know, those newborns and nursing babies, they can nap and be quiet and and such. Those are pretty manageable. But then when you start getting to that crawling stage and Mm -hmm. awake and alert and they want to get going, um, I think some practical suggestions would be you got to think about their ability or their lack thereof and maybe sit in the back of the of the auditorium, sit in a place where there's some floor space so that you can have use both the seat and your lap as kind of different um, times of the sermon to move them to. They have the seat next to you. They have your lap. And then if it's just really stretching their attention and such, then, you know, put them on the floor on a quiet blanket with super quiet toys and let you mean them none be of those rattler things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that would be lovely and distracting, especially uh, for you. I was gonna say, especially for me, <laughs> uh, if I'm preaching, it'd be super distracting. Yeah. Well, you know, a thought I had here with um, with mothers of infants, I think it could be a particular temptation is to kind of get engulfed with your uh, infant. Um, beyond a healthy concern for their needs in that moment. Like, and I can see, like, I can see a mom going, oh, how cute, and just kind of getting sucked into her baby in that moment when she's also there to hear the word taught and she needs her soul to be fed. And at this point, particularly um, having an infant, you're, you're not getting a whole lot of sleep. You're probably really tired. And you're you're probably fighting to have time in the Word during the week in general. And here you are being fed the Word of God that has been packaged for you by God through your pastor, and all of a sudden you're distracted beyond the basic needs of that infant for the next five minutes because you got caught up in how cute their little face was that... Uh, you got distracted, and now it's going to take you five minutes to catch back up to wherever the preacher's at. So my my encouragement to you would be in those moments to really fight against that, you know? Get lost in their face when you get home. Like, that's cool. Uh, or afterwards. But don't don't lose the God's incredible, highly, like, packed moment of grace for you um, just because your baby's cute. I mean, it's cute, but I mean, you're funny. And sure. That's definitely a great, um, temptation because they are adorable. And, but the infant's needs can be quite great and constant. And a mom is, is taking care of those needs on a constant basis, even at home in the home context. And sometimes a lot of times moms can come to church exasperated and tired, already. Mm -hmm. And so something that can be practical is, you know, as a mom, if you're reaching that point where you're really drained, maybe you're extra emotional, you can ask your husband for some help. Maybe he can take on some of um, the holding of the child, the taking it out. You know, maybe this, maybe this particular Sunday has been really um, kind of, it's been a hard week. So you need to feast on the word of God with Mm -hmm. as little distraction as possible. So there's not only your husband, but also maybe even someone around you, a friend from your um, from your Bible study that you can say, hey, you know, this has been a, a week, I'm really tired, in order to guard against um, fatigue and just spiritual draining, like I really need to hear the word today. 
um, can you help me in service today? And from someone who doesn't have an infinite home, who Mm -hmm. would be more than happy to serve you in that way and take the, you know, the, the baby at those distracting times or in, in such, um, but we're in this together. We're mm-hmm. un- unity yeah. of mind and <laughs> with hospitality all around us, looking for the needs of others. And um, that's, a, you know, it's even a great role for other moms. It's for a great role for even for a teenager. It's a great yeah. role for uh, a single um, or, or um, someone who doesn't have children in the home anymore mm-hmm. um, to be mindful of those needs from, of an infant or even like a toddler too. But I would say more and, the infant. And I would have two encouragements for, for moms particularly here. A, don't be afraid to ask and recruit. Like, don't be afraid to ask another mom or two, like, during that time, hey, be, because because here's the, on the flip side of this, a lot of other moms that are very experienced are hesitant to ask because, unfortunately, they're afraid of offending the, the new mom or sure. the mom of an infant because, oh, she may not... It might make her feel inferior or right. whatever when they're just trying to offer to help. So, so I would say to the the mom of the infant, ask. Line up. Uh, it's the way you fight the devil from mm-hmm. you being fatigued and um, going yet another week without um, being filled up with the yeah. word of God. Yeah. So ask, um, ask. Line up someone else to to help. And then two, my other encouragement would be to moms of infants, particularly, don't. Especially if you've given the infant to another relatively recently experienced mother, <laughs> so meaning it's, they've had an infant in the past handful of years, uh, not you know forty years ago, uh, and if you've handed them to an experienced or someone who's around infants a lot, um, so even maybe it's been a while since they've had an infant, but they're around infants a lot, don't don't jump at the first cry, like don't. Don't jump to the mom at the first whimper. Like let let that mom do some work. Let let her hands and her grace come to the aid of that baby. And I mean, you can tell when that baby's getting like there it's just not going to go well. I should probably jump in. Just be mindful. I'm just saying, just don't jump in so quick. Sure. Like, give some time. Sure. Give some time. The baby will be okay. And sure. And 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 most of the time, those people who are offering to hold your child for you are not going to freak out if the baby starts crying. Like right. you're you're you don't have to worry about like inconveniencing that person. They're not going to come ask you if they don't feel like they can handle a fussy child. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> At least for a few minutes, right? You know? So what about toddlers? Um, what about toddlers? This sure. getting to a pretty tough age as well. Sure, toddlers would be maybe a just as challenging as a crawling, wanting to walk. Um, I guess they're not infants anymore by that time. If they're walking, they're about toddlers. And so they, I would say also potentially being in the, near the back so that you, cause you're probably going to have to exit the service more than like an older child um, because you're in major training mode. Toddlers are, um, testing the waters. They're seeing what mom and dad say yes to and no to. And, you know, and all the toddlers can think about is what they want now. And so, um, there'll be a lot of training with that, but, um, my recommendation would be to discipline or actually first before that, like make your, your standards clear of the toddler. Like the one standard that we would have is we, um, there is no talking. There is only quiet whisper when you have to. Yeah. Like and, no loudness. Mm-hmm. And more of know. like, not necessarily emergencies, but it's got to be big, like bigger things. Sure. And if they, if they disobey that, then that's something that ought to be um, addressed right away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing that we got to keep in mind, I was reminded this week as I was reading um, a parenting book by Doug Wilson, that we tend to uh, loosen, uh, keep loose expectations on our kids or less uh, than necessary expectations on our little kids, because when they sin, it's cuter than it is when a 13-year-old sins. And 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 because when, when a 13-year-old sins, it's usually more costly. So uh, when it should be reversed, we should actually be strict, really strict on our two, three, four, five, six-year-old um, 
you know, when they get to that age where you can see the, the rebellion. Uh, and, and then as they age, the goal would be to loosen those restrictions. But you can only loosen those restrictions when they're teenagers if you've done the hard work of having the right instru- uh, uh, restrictions and expectations and you've enforced those when they've been little. So, it's like a train track. You're laying down those rails for them as the train to ride along those rails. Yeah. And it'll, yeah. Yeah. So next, like, three to five-year-olds, like, they they should be able to sit still and not be a distraction to other people, even for the upwards of that, like, one-and-a-half-hour time. Uh, they Now, again, they're so going to be... pick your spot wisely where you sit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, at this point, they know how to manipulate. They know how to whine to get what they want. And if they know how to whine to get what they want... Then they know how to. Then then they are plenty aware of what consequences happen when they do behavior that's unacceptable. They should be able to keep their butts in their seats, not like perfectly still, but generally they should be able to sit and keep their heads facing forward. Should be able to sing along uh, with everybody else. Um, then uh, six to ten. Uh, any thoughts there? I mean, at this point, they should be able to begin taking some. You know, whether it's just drawing a picture or not. So like taking like an age appropriate notes. So maybe your six year old, you just have them draw you a picture that's related to something in the passage. Sure. Um, also, um, one thing I remember my parents doing for me was they would write certain words that they knew would show up in the sermon. Mm-hmm. So when the pastor says such words, then they can make little marks. It just helps them um, listen and some of their attentiveness to certain words in the sermon. And that would be something easy for that age group yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. And but then, yeah, and they, they may not even... They don't need snacks probably at that age. Uh, the snacks are really for the infants, toddlers, three to five-year-olds. Like we brought snacks for our five-year-old, and then all the older kids wanted snacks too. And I said, you're old enough. You do not need those. <laughs> <laughs> but because the snacks were there with the younger ones, they're, you know... Yeah. So... Yep. Yep. And then what about, uh, you know, starting at 11, 12 year olds, like, and, and even that like 9, 10, uh, 11, 12, they should be able to start like really engaging with the sermon, like bringing points that, that they're hearing and talk about those. I mean, they may not be, they're not going to be able to give a dissertation or stand up and give a big lecture or anything, but they should have something that they heard and something you're helping them apply at this point. Sure. You should be getting away from those. Um, children reading or looking at books and actually being attentive to a good part of the sermon mm-hmm. so that discussion can be had. Yeah. It'd probably be helpful to talk to them about what the sermon would be about um, beforehand mm-hmm. um, so that they can recognize certain things that the pastor says. Yeah. And then 13 plus, uh, they should they should be having conversations and even being able to lead in conversations, uh, meaning what, like, meaning, let me back up, uh, leading in conversations at home, meaning they're able to bring up and apply their own items from the sermon. And again, I, I, I just know the cultural landscape that we're in, and we're like, oh, but that's my 14-year-old, <laughs> that's my 13-year-old. And we act like we can't expect anything from them, but but we can and we should. Absolutely. We can. So expect them to learn. Put put the expectation on them. Say, I want you, my 14-year-old son, I want you to learn something from the sermon today, and then I want you to tell me at dinner table tonight how you're going to apply it. Give them the work. Give them yeah, the expectation. Absolutely. And then uh, some of our final thoughts, you know, mothers um, can have a big role in preparing their kids for the worship of God. Um, ways like preparing the night before, um, helping your children and just your family get enough sleep. And this is a big one, getting up with enough time to parent in a patient and loving way um, so that you're actually displaying the character of God 
on a Sunday morning in preparation <laughs> for hearing the sermon. And that's hard when you're not getting, when you're waking up a little late and you're scrounging around for breakfast and you don't know where the shoes are. And it's like, oh, where's our bag of stuff that we're supposed to do during church? And like, just have those things ready beforehand. Your morning will be more calm. Your kids will be more calm. They'll be able to be more calm even in the the sermon time. And just having enough time to discipline well on like before as you're getting ready for church, because we all know that those opportunities just come up when we are getting ready to walk out the door, mm-hmm. like the preparation um, to just allow margin, have that time to be able to discipline faithfully, like you'll discipline faithfully, even at church. You got to have that margin in the home to be able to do that. It's, it, it's, it, we're, we're just talking about what we talked about earlier, decent and orderliness. <laughs> so if your time before service is not decent and orderly, then how can you expect it to be decent and orderly in a moment that's not like everything else? Like it's easier to be decent and orderly in the morning sure. than it is at service. So do the practice of the decent and orderly earlier, and that that's going to um, uh, involve a lot of work there before service. You know, the, the next thing that, that, that parents should do is feed them a good breakfast, and, and particularly a, a mom who is uh, keeping the home as she should be doing, again, has a huge role here. Uh, it doesn't mean dad's off the hook for anything, but, but to, to prepare them uh, by giving them food that will last. So you might you know, be careful on how much you load them up on carbs or sugary things that are going to make them a little antsy in the, in the pew, um, but give them something that's gonna that's a little more hearty uh, that'll stick with them, um, you know. And then get to church early and get them settled in the pew early. If you come in disorderly and frazzled, then they're not gonna sit there and be orderly uh, and not frazzled because they're gonna carry in that uh, conduct with them. It so. also teaches them that we're getting there early because we're actually interacting with the body of Christ. It's not just about us. It's we're getting there to talk to people, see how they're doing, yeah. and for conversations. Yeah. Another thing, a practical advice would be families should worship together, uh, meaning like physically in the pew together. Now, sometimes we make exceptions to this, and and sometimes if parents are serving in various capacities, their kids might sit with us. But but in general, like mo- most of the time, your kids need to be sitting with you. And you say, well, well there you go again, making a law. Uh, well, here's But here's the deal. The law is you're responsible to discipline your kids in order to gain a hearing from uh, of God through that child. Like that, that's, that, that's the law. So the question is, is, Practically, how can you do that with your eight-year-old when he's sitting across the the auditorium? Or how can you even do that with your twelve-year-old? How do you know what what they're writing and what notes they're passing? And so, um, even teenagers, again, I would argue they should be sitting with their parents in general, so that you can pay close attention to what they are saying and what they are doing and um, uh, what they're writing in their notes. Um, another thing, kids and their physical appearance, uh, they should be clean and tidy. I mean, <laughs> we're laughing because this is something we're working on as our own family that uh, I've been convicted of recently, and that is uh, the idea that clothing affects behavior. Clothing affects how other people respond to us. So very practically, when my kids are in play clothes, they expect to go play. Well, so for them, there's no outward cue of, of their preparedness of what they put on their body that tells them it's time for me to sit and listen and be proper and orderly. If they just wear their, their clothes that they're going to run around in the field in, well, then, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to have that. They're not going to have that outward cue of, of what time is it. And I'm just I'm smiling because I think of my boys and the just the the 
maybe the tension that happens when we're like, okay, you guys got to have your collared shirts on today. <laughs> they do not like collared shirts. They like their athletic shorts and their athletic shirts, and they like to be comfortable. But it is it is good for them to be in a different context. It's once a week, not a big deal. Sit down in that pew, those collared shirts with buttons, remind them that this is a different place. And, mm-hmm. and as it should be, this is yeah. a different place. Yeah. And in all this, you know, we know God's grace is ours as parents. We are not going to do things perfectly. We're going to fumble, but God's grace is ours. And we can think creatively and intentionally about how we can train our children in these ways of decency and orderliness in the pew. Yeah, there's two aspects of grace there. Not just grace that's like forbearing when we mess up, mm-hmm. but grace to accomplish the task at hand. Absolutely. And I and I think your piece here actually says, uh, you said both of those items, uh, and then you landed in like the decency and the orderliness. We have God's grace to do that. We do. And this this isn't a burden that we have to carry and just be like, oh, I've I failed again, or I'm not measuring up and such. I'm um, just take pause and and re- and repent. It's okay. It, we have freedom to repent. It, repentance is not a bad thing. That's and right. it's we can come to our good God and we can find the grace in our time of need. And we can say, God, I need help being creative. I need help with energy to do this. I need help with such and such. And choose one or two things. Um, husbands, lead your wives in this, lead your family in this. Choose um, one or two things to tackle for the, for this month and work diligently on it. Talk to your kids. This is what we're going to work towards. This is what we're doing. This is what we expect. Mm-hmm. And this training takes time. And training will form habits, and habits are wonderful gifts that we give our kids that they can take into their adult lives. Uh, that's that's I think that's super helpful. Habits are wonderful gifts that we give our kids that they can take into their adult lives, the rest of their lives, and 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 on and to take that a little bit further, it's gifts that we give to our kids that Lord willing they'll give to their kids and our great-grandkids, and our great-great-grandkids, and so on. Absolutely. So uh, we'd like to uh, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, If you'd like to support us uh, in this project, then please visit our Patreon page and become a supporter today. Now go seek God and His Word as you build your household through dominion and mastery to be joyful, sturdy, and productive. Mm